It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in yesterday. Obviously, we had the President of the United States. It's big news. Uh, and today is just as big, and uh, there's a lot of sad news, too. I think our country's now unprecedented turmoil, how we find our way out of that. That's what we're here for, and I want to get your views. So many of you have views. You're not fortunate enough, as I am, to have a show to be able to vent them. Uh, I want to give you that form, too, one 408 7669. So Ben Carson with us in four minutes. You talk about a guy who grew up with absolutely nothing, single parent family. Uh, a mom went out there, made him and his brother do his homework in a very adverse conditions. Uh, he became a world renowned surgeon, his brother a lawyer, and now he's Health and Human Services Secretary. Uh, he's going to be joining us, um, uh, HUD Secretary, I should say. He's going to be joining us shortly to talk about race in America and more. Admiral James Javidis at the bottom of the hour. He's going to be talking about inviting. Uh, Vladimir Putin to the G7. The president answered that to me yesterday. He's also going to talk about pulling out of Afghanistan. General Keene wrote about that the day before. And uh, some of our challenges as uh, China and Iran are mocking some of the uh, some of the city strife that we're witnessing today. So before we get to that, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The whole concept that the campaign was colluding with the Russians, there was no there there in August 2017. Do you agree with that general statement or not? I agree with that general statement. Rod Rosenstein and Lindsey Graham. The Russian collusion delusion just got crazier as Rosenstein said he shouldn't have green-lighted the Mueller probe to begin with. His statements are mind-bending. Number two. Today, I filed an amended complaint that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second degree murder. Attorney General Keith Ellison about George Floyd, the case against the four cops who believe are responsible for his death, upgraded. More officers implicated. Did the AG make the right move? Uh, We'll talk about the protests as everybody waits for justice. Number one. During the day, what you see is coordination, homemade weapons mainly being stashed around different metropolitan areas. Those are the types of uh, people that we see moving these violent uh, protests and these organizations in a certain way. It's unbelievable that we're talking about this, but that's Chad Wolf, uh, Homeland Security Secretary. City to city, signs of settling down and signs of coordinated violence. You just heard. Shootings now part of the riots and now a new push to defund uh, the only to defund the only thing people have between them and chaos, and that is the police. Do you believe there's a movement to defund the police? That's where we're at right now. Do you want to reform the police, have be more socially, racially sensitive? Absolutely. I, I know going through the academy, uh, I like to hear from all sides, but I can't get to that point because our cities are literally on fire. Our cops are being shot. Let me give you an idea of what happened last night the best I can. In Atlanta, streets were filled with hundreds of protesters during the day. They emptied out, though, at their curfew at, at 9 o'clock. Uh, they did have some protests. There were some arrests. Similar scenes unfolded in Philadelphia, but Philadelphia had at least 50 ATMs blown up 
and the George Floyd riots. A man arrested on WMD charge. He sold dynamite to a undercover agent. That's a little scary, wouldn't you think? A little bit later on, as we travel around the country, Washington, D.C., hundreds of people remained on the streets uh, as an 11 p.m. curfew approached and a feeling of anxiety hung in the air, according to reports, between the crowds and the lines of troops everywhere. Thankfully, no major incidents in front of the White House. In Los Angeles, more than 3,000 people overall have been arrested uh, during the protests. More curfew violations that we see. Then we see uh, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti. Remember him keeping L.A. locked down because he's concerned about coronavirus? The guy comes out, kneels down with protesters within feet of them while he's telling us to stay six feet away and locking down businesses because of that. And then says, I was going to increase the law enforcement budget by 7%, but now I'm going to decrease it because Black Lives Matter wants us to. Where are we at in this country? Let's uh, talk to Dr. Ben Carson about that. Dr. Ben Carson, the citizen, the acclaimed surgeon, and now Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, Dr. Carson, welcome back. Good to be with you, Barry. Dr. Carson, when it comes to law enforcement, are there two ways in which law enforcement views a rule, a rule of law for white people and a rule of law for black people? Uh, in general, I think uh, law enforcement is, is excellent in our country. Um, do we have some bad apples? No question about it. Do we have bad apples in journalism? Yep. And law, teaching, business, everywhere you have bad apples. And yet we don't have a tendency to label the whole profession as bad in any of those other areas. And I think it's absolutely absurd. Now, what happened in Minnesota is outrageous. I, don't, I haven't met anybody who doesn't think that's outrageous, black, white, or any other color. Um, and it is being dealt with. Uh, unfortunately, uh, some of the violent people, the people who have really other secondary agendas, are taking advantage of those who want to engage in peaceful protests. And peaceful protesters need to begin to recognize that they're being used by these people and not allow those people to use them. I'm all for peaceful protests. And, you know, recognize the fact that one of the greatest Americans ever, Martin Luther King, advocated peaceful protests and through that was able to achieve enormous social change. And if these people want to achieve social change, follow the model that works. I would think so. Uh, I I rarely play stuff from CNN, but I was struck by this because his brother is actually the governor of a state that demanded order and ridiculed the NYPD for not doing it. Listen to Chris Cuomo describe protests. Cut 24. It is a sad day when we need curfews in our cities. America's major cities are filled with people demanding this country become more fair, more just, and ironically, more united. Now, too many see the protests as the problem. No, the problem is what forced your fellow citizens to take to the streets, persistent and poisonous inequities and injustice. And please show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful, because I can show you that outraged citizens are the ones who have made America what she is and led to any major milestones. Be honest, this is not a tranquil time. 
So he's saying it's okay for protesters uh, to show unrest and anger. I mean, I don't even see him disavowing the looting. I mean, that's a guy in well, a major network. You know, the sad thing is if a Republican was saying things like that, <laughs> it would be World War Three. You know, they're inflaming people. They're creating, you know, havoc, and they're encouraging violence. Uh, the, the double standard is nauseating. But, you know, it really comes back to, to we the people. You know, there are a lot of forces out there that are trying to manipulate we the people. We the people are not each other's enemies. And by working together, we're able to create this magnificent country, this place that is the destination for other people around the world. Other people form caravans trying to get in here. In other countries, they form caravans trying to get out. This is a great place. Only people who can destroy it is us. And the only reason we would do that is if we allow ourselves to be manipulated into thinking that we're enemies, into thinking that police and that law and order are our enemies. They are not our enemies. And we do need the, the ability of, for people to be able to build a business and have confidence that our governmental structures will protect it, will not allow other people to just come in and destroy it, that they will not be able to just come into your home and destroy and pillage. That is a standard part of social society. And if we allow that to disintegrate, we will have nothing but chaos. And those who want to fundamentally change our country into something else will have a good argument for doing so. Uh, Dr. Carson, did you grow up rich and privileged? <laughs> uh, completely the opposite. But but I did have something that I think is incredibly valuable, and that is an incredibly wise mother. Had less than a third grade education, uh, worked as a domestic two and three jobs at a time because she didn't like the concept of welfare. You know, she was a person who would not be a victim. She got married when she was 13, subsequently found out that her husband, you know, my father, was a bigamist, had to try to raise us on her own. But she was observant, and she said, you know, we don't have to be victims. We can control our own destiny. And she made us read books, and she took us to places that were free because we couldn't afford anything else so that we could be exposed to things. And, uh, you know, her friends criticized her. And he said, you can't do that to boys. But, you know, one son became a neurosurgeon and one became a rocket scientist. So she had the last laugh. But, you know, she refused to be a victim. She refused to allow us to be victims. What we must do now is we must begin to, to, to help people to understand that they can do things. They can affect their own destiny. They don't have to wait for the government to do it or for someone else to do it. We don't have to always sit around and blame other people for the problem. And those of us who are in the position to do something, we must recognize that America was built on compassion, on understanding that other people had problems, on being able to reach out and provide a helping hand rather than just demonizing people. So, you know, on both sides, we really have to take a step back. We can't get into our perspective corners 
and and continue to hurl hand grenades at each other because the only thing that that will do is help to destroy the core of our nation. Lastly, 58% of young college-educated Americans say the riots are justified, 58%. And you notice those people in the streets, most of them are young. What does that mean to you? It, It means, unfortunately, that we're allowing people to be indoctrinated. This indoctrination starts very, very early on, and it's very problematic. And, you know, we have to resist it. We have to inform people of what the real history of this nation is and why it is a place of destination for so many people. And and if we don't engage in those conversations, they will just hear one side of the story and the further we go into the future, the more people will be indoctrinated until you reach a point of no return. We cannot allow that to happen if we want our children, our grandchildren, and our progeny to grow up in a place that is strong and that is free. But in order to do that, it does require bravery. And, you know, you can't be the, the, the land of the free if you're not the home of the brave. You have to be willing to stand up for what you believe in. You can't sit silently by and just allow those who want to fundamentally change us to have their say and, and not to resist them. And that's why you're here today. Uh, ben Carson, uh, if the president wants four more years, it's going to have to be a comeback story. Almost every poll has him trailing. Every battleground state, including Arizona and Wisconsin, has him trailing in Texas in a dead heat. Do you think this president, in the middle of a pandemic and civil unrest like we have not seen before, can do that? You know, the, the one thing I've, I've learned about President Trump is that, you know, he's a fighter. But he also can listen. And, you know, he is observing what is going on. And he will lead in a way that is appropriate. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee you that you're going to see that happen. Ben Carson, thanks so much. I know he considers you a huge asset and 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 a friend, and I could see why. Dr. Ben Carson, thank you for your time. Thank you, Brian. Take care. You got it. Bottom of the hour, Admiral James Jarvitas. But next is you, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. So, according to a New York Times reporter, destroying property is not violence, according to Chris Cuomo, who said protests are supposed to be uh, ob- show obedient and show calm, and you're supposed to be polite. Do you agree with that? One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. I went to visit a sergeant from the 44th Precinct that earlier this week, you've seen the video, was run over in a cowardly attack. Still in critical care in an intensive care unit, but recovering slowly. When I was finished from Lincoln Hospital, I called the lieutenant several days ago. You've seen that video as well unprovoked attack by a coward struck from behind in an attempt to bash his skull in. Yeah, and then he went on. This was 2.30 in the morning. I'm up because I'm getting ready for the show. We went on at 5 a.m. Eastern time today. Four-hour show. Uh, Dermot McShay, clearly shaken up, and I understand, talked about the incident last night in New York. As violent as any in the country. Cut six. Cut six. The courageous men and women of this police department that put a gun belt on every day and hit the streets to protect New Yorkers. Tonight, two of those officers were assigned to an anti-looting post when at approximately a quarter to midnight, without warning, video surveillance shows a male walk up to the officers casually, take out a knife and stab one of the officers in the neck. That officer was stabbed in the left side of his neck, thank God, missing an artery, and is recovering here in stable condition at the hospital. Other two were shot in the hand, they're going to be okay, and the assailant also recovering in the hospital. Uh, Debbie, listen on WLNI in Virginia. Debbie. Hi there, Ryan. Um, I just wanted to say... I'm not sure about these polls, and I, every time you say, you know, I'm not blaming you, but every time you say, you know, he's down in the polls and, you know, Biden is up, I, it just reminds me of last time when Hillary was supposed to sweep the whole thing and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're back to square one. Is it just a, a bluff tactic from the other side or the polls in on it? or, or- Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. What's going on? 
Well, I mean, it's the Battleground States. It's, it's uh, very close, and, and I think he is trailing. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's dealing with two intense crises that he didn't cause. He didn't cause the pandemic. He did not cause the racial strife. He did not cause the Minneapolis Police Department to handle to hire four mutants uh, that did what they did. Remember Ferguson? Remember Baltimore? I could point to countless events that happened before Donald Trump was even running for president. But now they're going to look at how he handled it. He's got to show he's got to turn the economy around. Uh, you've got to get close to a vaccine. And then things are going to really tighten up in the fall. And he's got to stop doing ridiculous fights with uh, Chris Cuomo and Joe Scarborough. He's got to focus on running. He can do it. But the side stuff really turns off independence, not his base. They shake their head and say, no big deal. He needs to win independence. one 408 We'll talk about that and so much more, and then take your calls in 10 minutes, so stay there. Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Oh, no one respects that. Well, I respect General James Mattis. It's been great to get to know him over the last few years, especially read his book, I had a chance to do an event with him, too, and watch him speak. I uh, met my whole family, matter of fact. He was at, went out of his way. In fact, it was two weeks after he got fired or left. Uh, he was going to resign. The president fired him as secretary of defense. When he made a speech, didn't he refer to the president? He just says, I'm one of those overrated generals. He said, I'm not going to say anything until the president's out of office. In fact, he went on in his book to say, if I only knew that Joe Biden was going to run for president, I wouldn't have ripped Biden in my book, where he mocks Biden, essentially, for him trying to explain to Biden, do not pull out of Iraq because it'll be a disaster. They are not ready to stand alone, and there's an insurgency out there. Biden blew him off. He ended up getting fired. So I think he was appreciating a second shot, even though he didn't know anything about Donald Trump. So obviously it ended bad, but he kept his mouth quiet. Not yesterday. He wrote a column condemning Donald Trump, saying he's the first president of my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. We're witnessing the consequences of three years of that deliberate effort. I don't agree with that. There's no way that's true. I mean, that means you've got to blame Barack Obama for the four or five major incidents, including Baltimore and Ferguson, that happened during his time. Now, I know Barack Obama fired him, too. But I don't necessarily blame Barack Obama for Freddie Gray being put in a van and being bounced around and dying uh, in Baltimore, nor do I look at what happened in Ferguson with Michael Brown and saying that's Barack Obama's fault, nor can I say what happened in Minneapolis is President Trump's fault. I'm just wondering why he chose now to come out. Leonard Lindsey Graham. To General Mattis, I think you're missing something here, my friend. You're missing the fact that the liberal media has taken every event in the last three and a half years and laid it at the president's feet. I'm not saying he's blameless, but I am saying that you're buying into a narrative that I think is, uh, quite frankly, unfair. And well, James Stravitas is not held out criticizing the president. Uh, he is the 16th Supreme Allied Commander, but he's always fair with him. Admiral, I'm probably, you know, General Mattis probably better than uh, all of our listeners and me combined. Uh, are you surprised he chose this time at this period to come out? Uh, I am in the sense that he's been uh, very quiet 
for a long period of time. If he was having these kind of feelings bubbling up inside him, I'm frankly surprised they didn't come out a lot sooner, say back during Charlottesville, which had a a similar sort of pattern of events. So I am surprised to see General Mattis come out. He's normally uh, very respectful of uh, the political side of the leadership. I think you have to judge the fact that he came out along with someone like Admiral Mullen, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, as pretty pretty striking uh, at, at a minimum, Brian. Uh, so the president of the United States says, you know what, if this continues, I'm going to use insurrection to use our troops uh, in these cities. Now, I guess there's maybe 50 cities showing tremendous strife right now and unrest. I think there's a great deal of governors and police departments that have been overwhelmed. I wasn't struck by that because I was in Los Angeles in 92 when Bush 41 uh, did it. And I didn't really have seen anyone criticize. In fact, the whole city was in flames. That was one city. Where do you stand? Well, let's let's back up slightly and just kind of do the numbers for a minute. So we got about a million police officers in this country. We got 500,000 members of the National Guard. And, and I really want to draw a distinction here between National Guard deployment and active duty military. Those are two really different things. So I think what we have here is a big, huge uh, controversy across the whole country. And, and Brian, we have like 20,000 cities in the United States. I don't know, 3,000 counties, 50 states. The National Guard is the right answer here. Because why? Because they they know how to apply non-lethal force. They, they are embedded in U.S. code and laws. They fall under the governors. They're citizen soldiers. Are there times like 92, as you point out, or back in the 60s when we needed to desegregate schools in the South and the Southern uh, governors weren't going to do it? So the president had to send in federal troops. There are occasional times when you need those federal troops. But I don't think this is that time when I look at those numbers. And by the way, the I think the protests are getting more peaceful. I think the looters are getting the message. I think deploying the National Guard is the right move to make. I just don't buy into the idea that we ought to be sending active duty troops who are designed to apply lethal force. They follow the laws of war. They report to the Secretary of Defense, not to governors. I think that's a different uh, step in the matrix. We're not there yet. And I would say to the president, if I were advising him, let law enforcement backed up by National Guard do their thing. The problem was, and I think I can maybe unwind Trump, what he does is try to get the hedge. You guys aren't going to crack down. I'll crack down. You're not going to do that. I'm going to cut it. You're not going to add that. I'm going to add it. Whether he's trying to get people to unlock their cities in their states like Florida has done uh, and New York is being basically held hostage. Uh, by this governor, who, this self-important governor who feels as though he could destroy businesses, uh, even though the numbers have fallen through the floor. So that's what he's doing. Well, you can't force someone in the state to use their National Guard, right? Even though you needed the National Guard, certainly over the last four days in New York. Indeed. And from all I can see, uh, the governors are reaching for those National Guard tools uh, on both sides of the aisle. I think there are National Guard deployments right now in 38 different states. And so right. uh, let's let's give the governors a chance here. Hey, I'll give you a bigger issue to think about, Brian. Yep. And this is one where I think the Trump administration has done a good job which is working on the criminal justice system in this country. Um, the, the 
the parallel to that is to work on policing in the country. And how can we bring rationality to this huge, diverse, uh, million-member police force across the nation? That's the kind of thing the federal government could take on the same way the Trump administration took on. And I think did some very good work, applauded by the black community, by the way, uh, in the criminal justice system. Absolutely, except for this bail law in New York where they hold you 90% of the crimes you commit from oh, assault on down. Uh, you're immediate. It's unbelievable. They arrested 700 people and they're all out. you got to interrogate them. This Antifa movement, I think we need someone who knows actually terror activities. They are not, they don't care about George Floyd. Uh, these, these pallets of bricks, I've seen them. The damage they've done with pickaxe are dropped off in cars without plates. And they move systematically and they communicate in a way uh, that shows almost a rehearsal. Does that concern you? Of course it does. And it's not only Antifa, but also um, affiliated activities like the looting, like the assaults that are going on. And we should not live in a country where businesses feel like they have to hire massive amounts of private security to come in and protect them. Again, uh, the key here is uh, increasing the ability of the local law enforcement by bringing in the National Guard, who have the all the tools at their disposal. And, and Brian, the most important aspect of the Guard is that they are citizens of those states. They come out of those communities. When you bring a federal force in there, you, you, you bring a detached professional soldier into the mix. Um, let's keep those citizen soldiers parked on this thing. And, and let me tell you something about the National Guard. They can take on the Antifa movement pretty well. Um, these are soldiers who have seen real combat. They've deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. The bulk of their effort and training is in the states and the communities, but they know how to deal across the spectrum of violence if they have to. I'd put my money on the Guard. So uh, yesterday I had a chance to interview the president, and, and this is one question I asked him. I said, "Why? what has Vladimir Putin done to be invited to the G7? He has not left Georgia. He has not left the Ukraine. Uh, he's created havoc in the Middle East. And here's what the president said, cut 56. The problem is many of the things that we talk about are about Putin. So, I, so we're just sitting around wasting time. Because then you have to finish your meeting and somebody has to call Putin or deal with Putin on, on different things. And I say, have him in the room. Have him in the room. Uh, it used to be the G8. from a, And I don't say deserving or non-deserving. I say common sense. Get things done. I want to have a nuclear pact, a, a safe nuclear, because nuclear is the single biggest problem the world has. Did he convince well, you? Let me yeah, let me start by completely agreeing that we have got to get in a place with Russia where we can negotiate a nuclear arms agreement uh, to replace the, the START agreement, which is going to expire uh, in about a year. So I'm in 100 percent agreement with the president on that. Uh, in terms of bringing them into turning the G7 back to the G8, I don't think it's time to do that yet. But this is part of a negotiation that could be conducted quite effectively. And I could see a situation where a president like Donald Trump, who has those negotiating skills, could, in fact, go to the other members of the G7, the, the six of them, and say, look, let's present Putin a package, a kind of a grand bargain that will take uh, the sanctions over Ukraine, which is what is really concerning to him, off. Here's what we could give him in return work a package, 
we're not there yet, but I certainly am one who has always felt we need to confront Russia where we must, but cooperate wherever we can. There are zones of cooperation. That's how you construct a deal. Not quite there, but the impulse is right. He did call him uh, last week, and believe it or not, China is now front and center. Uh, and now the president basically told me yesterday that that deal is done. The first phase is done. They're not buying the mm-hmm. agricultural products. They said they would. Uh, and then we canceled their uh, more flights into China and out of China. Uh, they're backing back a little bit, but it's a lot of their stance with, in Hong Kong. Uh, now they're mocking us because of the unrest we're having here. So I know you'd say the state of our relations is bad. Now tell me where, where it's at if you had the ball. Um, I would, first and foremost, I would put the pressure on China, not only in Hong Kong, and there are sanctions we can apply there and so forth, Brian. I would move closer to Taiwan for two reasons. One is this is a period in which it must be very tempting for Beijing to make a military move against Taiwan. Um, All the more reason we should get closer to Taiwan. Um, And secondly, because that will put, if you will, secondary pressure back to Beijing. Number two, get the allies together. This is not U.S. versus China. This is Japan, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the Philippines, um, uh, Thailand, uh, Singapore, Malaysia. It, It should be all of us standing against China in this moment. That's number two, get the allies. And number three, uh, continue to remind China at the end of the day, what they need, what they must have, it's lifeblood for them, is access to our markets. That's an extraordinary card the president can play. Let's get through the election because nothing's going to happen until we get through November, frankly. But then whichever administration is in place, that's the time to go back to the bargaining table, use the tools I just mentioned, uh, construct a strategy for dealing with China. Uh, Admiral, if you want to uh, find out what the Admiral's thinking and how to uh, get p- pick up sailing true north, go to AdmiralStav.com. Um, Ten Admirals in the Voyage of Characters, the subtitle. Uh, so just go to Stav, uh, at Stavridis if you want to follow him on Twitter. Admiral, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Hoping to see you uh, down in Florida soon. Absolutely. one 408 Brian Kilmeade Show, back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From day one, from Thursday night, we've been facing rocks, bottles, bricks. We've been shot at. We've been run over by cars. But they're still out there, as you can see, in force, keeping the city safe, being extremely effective out there, doing the job, making sure that this city is our city. We are one with the protesters who are out there for a justified cause, but not with the people who want to cause mayhem to our city. And that is uh, Terrence Monahan making a name for himself by doing a great job on the streets of New York. NYPD chief uh, Terrence Monahan is uh, letting everybody know that I'm giving people some of the streets. I'm giving them some rooms of protest. But when they start wrecking stuff, that's the problem. And he's letting everybody know, too, the governor, he would not accept any criticism from the governor. And the governor basically apologized. one 408 7669 the number to call uh, to be on the show. Let's go out to Bob. Listen on W-A-L-I. Uh, ALD, excuse me, in Newtown, Connecticut. Hey, Bob. Hey. Hey, Brian, what's up? Um, 
I just wanted to throw a few things out there, just like the cops were saying in New York. You know, I mean, they're out there trying to do this stuff. The government's going at this passively. I mean, you got protesters in my town, uh, young kids uh, saying, seeing the burning is love. Seeing the stealing is love. I mean, they they want a peaceful protest. They want to go at this, but yet it's okay to let them riot, kill people now. I mean, they're beating up store owners, uh, ransacking and everything. I just don't understand cops. why they, you know. Yeah, cops and the innocent people at stores like in Rochester, that wife and husband that got beat up with two-by-fours. And, and they they like this stuff. And then they got signs saying, we don't want cops in the future. Well, what's going to happen in the future? Do these younger generations and these people that want the left side going to realize you're going to have to sit on your back porch with a shotgun because somebody's going to come in their house and shoot you because they're hungry because there's no cops? I, mean, I have, what happens I have news for you. I have, a ta- I have a gun shop in my town, one town away from me. The line has been wrapped around the place. It's been there my whole life. It's wrapped around the place for the last four straight days. People are already saying I'm preparing for, uh, to take things into my own hands. When they are destroying Rodeo Drive in Los Angeles, nobody is thoroughly safe. When you have political leaders who want to condemn the cops in the middle of a riot rather than the people committing the riot, uh, I'm getting the sense that things are worse than I can ever imagine. Final thought? Um, I agree with you with that. I mean, that's what it's like in the suburbs. Guys are getting their shotguns out, and they're going to take the, the law into their own hands, but then we'll be the bad guys. And one more little thought. Like, they want it back to left side. And what's going to happen, like you know, in the – of people with brains, we're going to give it back to China, and then we're going to be owned by other countries. We're, you know, America, America would have had their great 200 years or 300 years, but then we're going to be like Venezuela and all these other countries, and we're not going to have Absolutely. anything. Absolutely. Do you know what Joe Biden said yesterday? I envision my presidency as one with FDR, where the government's involved in every aspect of the country. Really? You're going to bring motor vehicle to the private sector? Fantastic. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Bob. You want to know what we're dealing with here in New York? Just to get you an idea. Listen to this guy talk about what he hopes in the city that's on fire, by the way. Cut 17. Final point I'd make. The, I, I understand. I, I don't mean to make light of this, but I'm reminded of the song Imagined by John Lennon. We played it at my inauguration. I, I think everyone who hears that song in its fullness thinks about what about a world where people got along differently? What about a world where... We didn't live with a lot of the restrictions that we live with now. You mean like shutting down an entire city for a virus and you told us to bend the curve and we bent it into the floor and you still keep it shut down? You mean a city that only uses 7,000 of the 34,000 cops while the finest streets and stores in America shut down by you get ransacked? Is that what you imagine? I got your imagination and it is a nightmare. Incredible. I mean, that's what we're dealing with here in New York. That's what we're dealing with. The governor can't stand the mayor and acts like he's above it. But the governor, who's in charge of the city, rather blame it on the mayor. And when things go wrong in this in this state, he blames it on the president. Everything you don't want your kids to do, pass the buck. He does. On a lighter note, go to BrianKillMe.com if you want for Father's Day something personalized. Get Sam used to the Alamo Avengers. It's now in our paperback. It's a great story of America's past comes to light because I'm getting a little scared about the future. Brian, kill me, Joe. 
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show on a very important day between the pandemic. Oh, yeah, we're still in that uh, to what's happening with the unrest in so many cities. It's going to be hard to cover it all, along with the presidential election and new uh, polls are in. We had that big interview with the president yesterday, made a lot of news. We still haven't gotten re over that again. Obviously, a lot going on. No place again, just like the pandemic. Uh, again, the New York, the center of everything, because the protests arguably are the most destructive. Uh, when you talk about this Antifa-like organization that has ripped up the most expensive streets, stores, maybe in the country. They're also hitting in California, places like Rodeo Drive, tearing it up, pickaxes, uh, going right through the windows and running out. These aren't people who are necessarily gangsters. They look like young ex-gamer skateboarders who are well-rehearsed and well-armed. I don't know who's behind it, who finances it, but they know what they're doing. When most of America is not working, uh, when they're not going to school, uh, they're using this opportunity to, to wreak havoc in the country. And it's, uh, it's not, making this place, not making this country a better place to live. Molly Hemingway at the bottom of the hour. Ainsley Earhart will be joining us. So let's get to the big three. The whole concept that the campaign was colluding with the Russians, there was no there there in August 2017. Do you agree with that general statement or not? I agree with that general statement. Yeah, the collusion delusion just got crazier. As Rod Rosenstein said, he shouldn't have green lighted the Mueller probe in retrospect. Many of his other statements mind bending. Number two. Today, I filed an amended complaint that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second degree murder. And other officers as well. George, uh, George Floyd, the case against the cops who believe are responsible for his death. Charges upgraded, more officers implicated. And the attorney general says this is not going to be easy. We'll talk about it. Number one. During the day, what you see is coordination, homemade weapons mainly being stashed around different metropolitan areas. Those are the types of uh, people that we see moving these violent uh, protests and these organizations in a certain way. Uh, That is Chad Wolf. He is director of Homeland Security. City to city, signs of settling and signs of coordinated violence. Shootings now a part of the riots and now in a new push to defund the only people between society and chaos. That's the police. But first, this. Now it's time to clear the airwaves for the Emmy-nominated host of Fox News Sunday. Mr. Sunday, the receptive voice, the king. Author of the new book, Countdown 19... Countdown 1945. It will drop on June 9th. Chris, you're such an asset to the show, and I'm glad to see it's really helping your career. Did I mention Countdown 1945? A couple of times. Now available pre-orders at Amazon. Got it. I see this as a feature-length movie. I am serious. This is... A great story. This is going to be great, and I look forward to talking to you for the next five months about it. Every week, we are going to talk about countdown. You know, this is going to be a countdown. 
to the countdown. I like it. Tell, tell your people to put that on the uh, promo next week. The official Brian Kilmeade Show countdown to the countdown continues now. Uh, Ten, Chris Wallace. Nine. Eight, how are you? Seven. We are in the <laughs> it's, it, Next Tuesday, it drops. Countdown 1945, June 9th. The extraordinary story of the atomic bomb and the 116 days that changed the world. Yes, it is finally here, folks. Time to go out and order Amazon, Barnes & Noble, go to your local bookstore, it's at Costco, and uh, it, it, it is a... Have, all right, I sent you some time ago the book. Have you read it? Hello? You sent me the book? Yes, I did send you... Oh, my gosh. You are such a faker. I sent uh, you the book. I, I sent you the email uh, you know what? I was we were in the middle of the coronavirus. Oh Brian, man, I, I think the, I got. This is not helping the pitch here. I apologize. I was going to say, "Where's my book?" I forgot that you did email it to me because I haven't been in the office. Well, I will you, check it out. You, you don't get emails. I I will check it out. My bad. I'm just not used so, to you emailing me. You know what the the good part is that the bad part is that you've kind of kind of blown the pitch today. The good part is I will send you a copy of the book. Uh, have Eric give me your address to send it, and then we'll have a whole new conversation next Thursday. So this is good. Uh, that'll be great. Uh, so, so Chris, it's going to be great, and I know it's going to be tough doing a book tour. I'm doing the paperback now. You do a lot of virtual stuff. And the problem with New York, Connecticut, and New Hampshire, uh, as well as Massachusetts, is uh, the bookstores are too dangerous, evidently. We can only go to liquor stores. So you can't go walking through a bookstore. All hell could break loose. But I can buy liquor and lottery tickets, according to the geniuses in charge of our future, uh, because of the pandemic. So that's that, the problem. That the Open up the not... bookstores for Wallace. Well, and, and Brian, yeah. but yes, you're telling me that the bookstores are not open in New York? Nope. None. All right. I've got to get on the phone with, uh, with the Governor Cuomo. This is, this is an outrage. I, I could How about with Billy with street. Billy Barnes and Stan Noble? <laughs> I could be in the streets uh, rioting on, the, on this weekend if they don't open the bookstores. Well, I know I can understand that, but you are seeing riots by you, uh, like I've never uh, uh, seen before, uh, to the point where they had to scramble the president, uh, and uh, they are getting a little crazy. I've never seen a time like this, Chris. Does this remind you of any other time in all the years you've covered news? Yes, and I'm going to sound like an old guy here because, you know, they, they would say, oh, you think this is big, you should have seen it back. But in truth, 1968 was much worse. Now, we didn't have a coronavirus, and we didn't have uh, 40 million people unemployed, so that's much worse. But in terms of the rioting in the streets after the assassination of Martin Luther King, uh, and, and folks, trust me on this, go back and look at Google or whatever, when you see what was going on in the streets of cities across America, including Washington, D.C., uh, I mean, this wasn't like a looting of a fancy store. They were, and I'm, look, I'm not diminishing what's going on now. It is terrible. It's unacceptable. And, you know, peaceful protest is, you know, is as American as the Constitution. Violent protest, those people should be thrown in jail. But it was worse in 68. So I want you. So when you look at the looting that's going on, the coordinated looting as opposed to the protesting over um, law enforcement inequity, 
uh, and the way to reform it, that's one thing. Now they're talking about defunding it and disbanding it and having Black Lives Matter run peace forces. I'm pretty sure on my things to, to make better list, that didn't really hit the top 10. And especially when I got up at 2.30 in the morning today, Dermot Shea, the NYPD police commissioner, said this, cut seven. We had a uniformed sergeant and police officer hearing shots fired that were coming from that initial scene respond quickly to that scene. We believe that when they got there, they saw the perpetrator with a gun in his hand, which we believe belonged to one of the officers. What we know at this point in time is that 22 shell casings have been recovered from a number of members of the service. The perpetrator struck multiple times. He is here and he's in critical condition. We had two police officers shot in the hand and we had the third police officer that is stabbed in the neck. Happy to say the three cops are going to recover. Um, and the assailant, no word, but they're all in the same hospital. Uh, we had a situation where people overstayed the curfew and got detained. Rain came in, they left. But then I went to bed thinking, okay, that's a little bit better. I got up to that presser. And I worry after St. Louis when four were shot, including a 77-year-old African-American retired chief. I'm getting worried that guns are going to be part of our dialogue now. Well, I certainly hope not. And, you know, look, I, I saw the butcher knife, a picture of the butcher knife that was used on one of the policemen in New York. Uh, this wasn't a little pen knife. This was a butcher knife. And, and you know, the fact that the guy, the, the policeman's going to survive is a miracle. Uh, look, I believe in protest. The founders believed in protest. I think that there are inequities in police uh, policing in, in African-American minority neighborhoods. But that's no excuse for violence on the other side. And, you know, as I say, uh, protest is fine. R- rioting, looting, and especially, you know, violent attacks on, on the law enforcement, which is, you know, the thin blue line that protects us, uh, absolutely unacceptable and no, no justification whatsoever. Uh, it's uh, crazy. Uh, some crazy times. Uh, listen. I'm all for, I thought we, last week, Chris, I thought we were going to have a week talking about uh, racial inequities, whether it's social, whether it's societal, whether it's uh, law enforcement or just the justice system. I couldn't wait for it. Uh, To tell you the truth, I I love conversations to move the country forward. I can't get away from the chaos that is plaguing our cities, and I am not overstating it. On top of that, the pandemic that all the authorities and scientists told us was going to change, you know, it was lethal. We got to look out. We got to... Stay home. We got to not go to our jobs. We got to board up. Now we don't even care. The same people that told us that are okay with protests. And no, I, you had the I, mayor, mayor of Los Angeles sitting down kneeling with a bunch of people huddled around him in salute to Black Lives Matter. Wait a second, sir. You just destroyed my gym, my convenience store, my restaurant because you had to save my life. And now you have no problem with these protests. We're being taken advantage of. Uh, well, look, I, I have been watching with my wife, Lorraine. We watch this every night, and I see all these people without masks close together. Look, I, I hope that, that nothing happens. I don't want people to get sick to prove the scientists right. But, you know, you got to wonder in two or three weeks whether we're going to see a new spike when you get thousands of people in each other's faces. Uh, and, and the idea, I agree with you, that public officials would, you know, say for months, we've got to close everything down and we got to, the coronavirus and now say 
you know, if you're pure politics, uh, oh, it's okay to fill the streets with people. You know, if it was dangerous to have groups of people partying, it's, yes. good. it's dangerous to have groups of people protesting. I, you know, I find this appearance really quite distressing because we're agreeing too much, and this is not the way it's supposed to work out. I do have, can I ask you one provocative question? Yes. So you did the interview with the president yesterday, and I'm I'm, I'm going to put it bluntly. I'm jealous because, you know, I haven't talked to the president on camera in an interview since November of 19—I'm worried about 1945—of 2018. It's been the better part of a year and a half. But when he said, well, yeah, I went down to the bunker, but it was just an inspection, what did you think? Well, yeah, here it is. Let's listen. Well, it was a false report. Uh, I wasn't down. I went down uh, during the day, and I was there for a tiny, little short period of time, and it was much more for an inspection. There was no problem during the day. Uh, What do I think? What did you think? Yeah. What did I think? My premise was, I said, listen, George Bush famously wanted to go into Washington on 9-11. They would not let him. And he was frustrated beyond belief. But the Secret Service makes those calls. I thought the criticism was way out of bounds because it, he doesn't choose to run. They, the Secret Service tells you where to go. But he said he never was in the bunker. And he said he went down there to check it out. Should he need to get there? What do I think? I don't know. That's what he said. And so-called other people who weren't there, no. Well, I, I mean, I, look, I, I agree with part of what you said. I agree with everything you said. I mean, you know, I, I agree that that's the police or the Secret Service call. You know, I mean, we've seen the, 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 uh, in the movies the portrayal of when they took uh, Cheney down to the bunker. The Secret Service thinks the president's life is in danger. That's their job. That's what we pay them to do. And I don't think it should be any negative uh, aspersion on whether it was Cheney then or, or Donald Trump now. I got to say, though, saying that he went down for an inspection when there was, you know, rioting uh, on the streets, <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Yeah, I don't have a th- I don't have a source except for him. So I don't know if I'm well, going to okay. believe him yeah, or, again, you or have, CNN. You the president yeah. is the yeah. source. I got nothing. I, you know what? You know, my, the, my source who's closest to the president, you. <laughs> so you got to be nice to me, especially because I, I, I got just, this powerful radio show and this great just, morning yeah. show. That, and our audience is so loyal. Uh, they will love to find out how best to get Chris Wallace's book. Now, Chris, real quick, for people that aren't allowed to go to bookstores because it's too dangerous, like in New York, it is so scary to go to a bookstore and see book spines. So would you please tell me how to order it? You are the best person in the world. Uh, you can go to, you know, all the normal sources, Amazon.com, uh, Barnes & Noble. There are okay. a variety of, of, of other sources. I mean, the places that you can order Brian's books and, uh, you, you know, you can get the book and I, it, we all have a little extra time to read. And the thing I promise you about this book, and I, I will get you a copy and I want your honest opinion. I am so confident you're going to like this book that I want you next Thursday to say, and if you want to say, I thought it sucked, we're all going to listen next Thursday. You got it. I know once I start, I'm not going to be able to put it down. And especially I read everything on ebook. So thanks for sending it that way. Seriously. Chris, congratulations. It's exciting. Uh, even for someone who's experienced everything you've experienced. And Fox News Sunday is going to be this Sunday, right? 
Yeah, we thought we would put it on this Sunday. We're going to have somebody to talk about, you know, the the president's decision to crack down, and things did seem to get calmer. We're also going to have Admiral Mike Mullen, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs. You know, you've had Jim Mattis and Mike Mullen, and even to a certain degree, Mark Esper, the current Secretary of Defense, uh, breaking with the president. So we'll have all of that. Yeah, he does not like the president, so you're going to have to play the other side for that. Uh, Chris Wallace, thanks so much. All right. Thank you, my Go friend. get him, Chris. You got it, sir. one 408 You're with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back. Uh, Ryan, you're listening to WABC in Pearl River, New York. Hey, Ryan. How's it going, uh, Brian? In the, um, you know, I work in Manhattan, and uh, when it gets dark out, like the, during Sunday night, Monday, whenever I was out there, I stayed several blocks away. You see the the rioters start to pick up as it gets dark, and it just it's bedlam turning in out there. And unfortunately, from what I've noticed, you have people out there who just will do anything they can to loot, and they're just taking advantage of the situation that's taking place. They know the cops' hands are tied because of this mayor. I call the mayor the Tower of Jelly. But I just like to tell the people a story now because you're going to hear something great. In 1977, during the blackouts in the Bronx, there was one neighborhood in the Bronx that was surrounded by the rioters, but the rioters wouldn't dare go into that neighborhood. Anyone out there want to venture to guess what neighborhood that was? A lot of people probably say, man, I know what that neighborhood was. But the bottom line here is they know there's nothing going to be done to them, the looters, and that's why they're doing it. And you see uh, people going into neighborhoods and they're bowing to him. Out in Long Island, there was a, a reporter. He's a non-reporter. He was getting arrogant and nasty with a, with a woman out there in Long Island. And that reporter, he was just a condescending individual. woman was cool. She was strong. And he goes to her like this. He goes, well, you know everyone's watching you on Long Island. She looks in the camera. She goes, hi, everybody. Folks, that's America. Well, thanks for the call. Uh, it is uh, chaos in New York. It was chaos in 77. It's chaos now. And you need a strong person. And I'm all for people sounding off and being frustrated. Uh, with maybe you feel as though you're being repressed. Speak out. Great. Get some power. Fantastic. Don't wreck Fifth Avenue. And expect me to listen to you afterwards. Forget it. When we come back, Molly Hemingway. She was brought up by the President of the United States yesterday. Seemed to have a great perspective every time I talked to her. I'm sure now, too. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you read Molly Hemingway, who I know you're a fan of, and I'm a big fan of, she wrote a piece that was all fake news. There's so much fake news. Most news is fake. Uh, They're corrupt and they're fake, the lamestream media. And if you read the story and if you read what Molly Hemingway said, who's a real reporter, a great journalist, uh, you'll see that that story was fake. They didn't use tear gas. They didn't use—they moved them out. Now, 
when I went, I didn't say, oh, move them out. I didn't know who was there. I figured I was going to walk right. over to the church very nearby. So uh, if you read the Molly Hemingway piece, you'll get the real story. So uh, that is uh, President Trump 24 hours ago on with us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. And Molly Hemingway now on with us now getting praise from the president. But that's not why she wrote it. She wrote it as the fact that she knew it. Uh, Molly, welcome back. We're talking about the president's walk after the Rose Garden speech to St. John's Church, which is still creating controversy. Uh, first off, how do you feel about your name being brought up? <laughs> I actually um, I hadn't heard the entire clip, so that it's, it's very interesting to have the president actually know who you are. But, um, but I'm glad that people did read the piece because there was so much misinformation that was shared in the aftermath of that clearing of people in front of the White House. And it's part of a larger amount of misinformation about how the story of what's been going on has been told by so many people. Media seem to be really intentionally downplaying or ignoring or denying in some cases the violence that has been gripping cities throughout the country. And that includes Washington, D.C. I mean, the White House grounds were breached. The Washington Post has admitted that, that they wrote a story saying that President Trump had to be taken to a bunker because the threat was that serious. But then they say that no violence is happening at these protests, much less at the at the one in the White House. Um, at the on the White House grounds, you had buildings breached, you had arson, you've got graffiti all over the place. You had a church across from the White House grounds set on fire. You've had you know rampant looting and other things, and. It is at the very least disputed whether this was a group of peaceful protesters at the precise moment that they were cleared from the White House, uh, from the street in front of the White House, just before the curfew was uh, set to be enforced. And the Park Police say, and my sources in the Park Police have confirmed that there were uh, bricks being thrown that injured police officers. There were dozens of police officers that were injured in the in the days before that, including some that were hospitalized. Um, and these protesters, which included, of course, tons of peaceful people, but but also people who were throwing bricks, uh, throwing water bottles of frozen ice, um, rocks, uh, that they had once again breached a structure on the White House grounds, and that they'd found caches of weapons on the street. Plus, they had intelligence that there was some kind of assault plan. So that. Yeah, we just we just lost her there uh, for a second. But the amount of controversy uh, with that walk is still going on today. They actually said the president from his Rose Garden speech to the walk and the way everyone was cleared out is the beginning, the beginning of the end of the American experiment. I'm not kidding. Molly, you want to finish your story, right? Yeah, just, you know, there, there were multiple things that were not accurately conveyed by people in the media, or they were not accurately portrayed as disputed. So the first thing is that they said tear gas was used. And it turns out tear gas was not used. It was smoke canisters that people saw. And, you know, tear gas is legal for use. It's used in other situations. A lot of people probably wish tear gas were being used, but it wasn't used in that case. And so you need to be honest about it. The second thing is that they said that the crowd was 100% peaceful, which is strongly disputed by the park police and evidence from, from um the, con- the contextual evidence there. And then they also said that this walk from the White House to St. John's was served no purpose other than being a photo op. And it's not that it wasn't a photo op. It's obviously a photo op to have the president standing in front of a building that the night before had been um, had been set on fire by rioters. But all things that politicians do publicly are photo ops. And we don't normally 
just disparage them as nothing more than photo ops. A lot of people found it meaningful to say we have triumphed over the mobs that were that were taking control. Now you might not agree with that, or you might agree with that, but to just disparage something as being nothing more than a photo op when you don't do the precisely same thing when, say, Nancy Pelosi the next day stages a photo op is why so many people have trouble believing what the media tell them. So General Mattis came out and ripped the president, says that he's a divider, uh, say he'd never seen a president looking to divide the country, and then went out and criticized him for talking about using the military in insurrection. I'm just wondering, were they that critical of Bush 41 when he decided to do it with one single city to send it into chaos? These are dozens of cities where governors are sitting on their hands. Why now for General Mattis? Well, I don't I couldn't speak to why now, but I think that the actual quality of his argument wasn't that great. Um, A lot of people say Donald Trump is not a uniter. Well, I think a lot of people would say, of course, he's not a uniter. That's not what he was elected to do. Um, There are people who think that uniting with people who think that the country is irredeemably evil is not in our best interest. There are people who think that, you know, the, the big moment of the big mood of the moment, the official group that names itself Black Lives Matter has an official position of defunding police nationwide. And a lot of people say, you must unite with that movement. A lot of people say, I don't want to unite with a movement that says that we should defund the police nationwide. To unite with that movement might even sound like completely crazy. And yet people say that these ty- that there should be unity on these things. Well, I think the issue is that when people seek unity, they seem to seek unity with leftist messages. And a lot of people are saying, we don't want unity with leftist messages. We want someone willing to fight those leftist messages, even if the media and social media and corporations and everybody sort of in a position of influence is fighting to make people join with those groups. You know, there are mobs out there saying you must bow down and be unified. And a lot of people are saying, I don't want to be unified. I don't think the country is irredeemably evil. I actually believe in the founding principles. I believe in equal justice under the law and individual liberty and individual responsibility. And so when people say, oh, but he's not a uniter, a lot of people say, thank God he's not a uniter. Thank God he's willing to highlight what needs to be fought for. And that is not a message you get from a lot of people in the media who just sort of say, yeah, 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 he should be a uniter. Well, unity is nice, but you need to be united on the right principles. And you need to fight for those principles. A a couple of things that bother me more than most. 58% of young college-educated Americans say the riots are justified. That, according to Monmouth University, 58%. And we know they're all young out there. According to the new poll, the overall population of the survey, only 70% of Americans believe that the riot protests that have erupted in the aftermath of Floyd killing are fully justified. 37% of respondents said that the riots are partially justified. But 58% of the young people, I mean, to see that type of destruction from Rodeo Drive to Fifth Avenue, to see these these cities torn torn up and burned in a precinct abandoned, they think they're justified? Does that bother you, Molly? Well, I saw a poll that said, you know, if you take all people, that something like 17% support the looting and the violence. And I thought... What in the world? 17% of Americans support this. Like, that's a very bad number. And it's higher, as you note, among certain other groups. And it's almost becoming like the position that you're supposed to take, that you have to have, again, unity with rioters to be considered a decent person. All people should care 
about police brutality. All people should care about the the killings of um, black men and white men throughout the country, whether or not they're killed by police. These are all important issues. But that's not what's going on here. That's not what's going on as cities are devolving into chaos and buildings are being you know burned and businesses are being looted and and violence is is all around and i think people are looking for some people to have more leadership about restoring rule of law and order these are things that protect all people and a lot of people are not doing what they should be doing right now at all levels of leadership molly i've never seen anybody try to escape criticism and and deflect uh problems more than governor cuomo I mean, the nursing home, all-time high. How could he not be responsible? More cases, more deaths than anywhere else in the country. He's not responsible. Now with the unrest, he blames the mayor and the NYPD, and he does it while walking down a state that bent his curve to the point it's in the floor, and he's still taking his time unlocking it. Phase one next week, all these empty stores are now destroyed and ransacked, and he's going to want to ask the federal government for a bailout. And listen to what we're dealing with in terms of a mayor. Cut 17. Final point I'd make, the, I, I understand, I, I don't mean to make light of this, but I'm reminded of the song Imagine by John Lennon. He played it at my inauguration. I, I think everyone who hears that song in its fullness thinks about what about a world where people got along differently? What about a world where we didn't live with a lot of the restrictions that we live with now? Your witness, uh, he Molly. Should, he should probably be impeached for that reason alone. That song, I know that people like that song, and it's a nice tune. People should listen to the words, which call for the abolition of religion, no borders. I mean, these are things that, like the destruction of nation states. This isn't as beautiful as a song as people imagine it to be, um, <laughs> no pun intended, but... It's so interesting that de Blasio, you know, called for the military, military to come in and help him when it was coronavirus, and now is saying he absolutely doesn't want any military to get control over the city. And I actually think he should, he should have stepped up earlier. There would be no need for military if people, if governors and mayors would do a good job with their policing, and that's clearly not happening. Um, but, gotcha. yeah, that, that guy is, I mean, my sympathies for people who live there, because that guy is not a good mayor. As for Cuomo, though, it seems like the media are letting him get away with everything from mishandling the coronavirus to mishandling, you know, the rioting situation. And it is infuriating, though, that everyone is still locked down or shut down or or restricted. And the only thing you can do is riot, apparently. Molly Hemingway, thanks so much. You can follow her at MZ Hemingway. Molly, appreciate it. Senior editor at The Federalist. Fox News contributor. Uh, when we come back, Ainsley Earhart joins us, one 408 7669 She's got a new paperback out, The Light Within Me, an inspirational memoir, now out with, in a bendable version. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. 1-866-408-7669. Let's bring in Ainsley Earhart. She's the same Ainsley Earhart, I believe, according to my sources, who has her paperback out today, 
The Light Within Me, an inspirational memoir. Is this the same woman who was up at 2.30 to be up at 5 o'clock, who was on the air <laughs> until 9 a.m.? I don't know how you do it, Brian. How do you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and then do a four-hour show and then do radio? You're my hero. Well, you know, it's the craziest thing. First time in 23 years, I, lo- I got woken up by one of our producers at 4.45 on Tuesday. I, I set it for two thirty. I set it for two fifteen in the afternoon, on my watch, on my clock, everything. I did not look at PM and AM. Is that right. crazy? I know. Well, that's a, you know. Have you ever done that? Just, uh, I did it. Well, what's funny in local news in South Carolina, I took a day off. My co-anchor slept in, so there was no one there to anchor the show. So the meteorologist had to anchor the show until my co-anchor <laughs> ah. got there. <laughs> so um, it happens. Look, I mean, in 20-some-odd years, it's never happened to you, so hats off to you. Um, we're all just, right. we've got a lot on our mind. It's hard to sleep right now because we're worried about our country and worried about, you know, memorializing George Floyd and making sure um, that, you know, everyone's safe. We've just got a lot on our plate right now. The news is heavy. It's heavy. Right. And we're all so so when you um, when you you have your paperback out that tells about your story and you added something mm-hmm. that is kind of tough to go through in the paperback. Yeah. And this is why I would never write about my life. You you updated everybody and you had to do some right. real tough. I imagine real tough. And you have to update everybody on your divorce. Right. Well, I, I reread it when I got the boxes of paperbacks because I'm doing a live signing tonight um, at 5 p.m. And I read it and I was like, wow, I really shared a lot. <laughs> But I want to be real, and um, our country's going through so much right now that I um, I did it in a you know in a way that was I wanted to help other people, and so it's hard. My my paperback came out this week, and it's obviously um, you know I, I dealt with is it appropriate for me to talk about a book right now when so much is going on in our country and people are hurting, but um, you know my faith got me through the hard times. My faith got me through the divorce and. I wrote about that specifically just so I could help other people. If I can help one person get through a really hard time and lead them to God, then it was worth it. So uh, the paperback's out. The last chapter, we added a last chapter because the book, the hardback, came out two years ago, pre-divorce. And then now I you know, wanted to share that with, with the rest of the country because it's not an easy thing to go through. But... Um, we are amicable. We have a beautiful daughter together, and um, I'm so thankful for that marriage because um, so many reasons, but but mainly because we have Hayden, and she's beautiful. But um, I just hope that, that people can read it, and there's scripture at the top of every chapter, and I hope that those scriptures help you. Uh, I was listening to a sermon on Sunday. I'm clinging to God right now, and I listened to three sermons on Sunday, Brian, and one of them was a minister in the southern part of New York in lower Manhattan, and he said he called his his friend that's up in Harlem, and he said, what are you preaching on this Sunday? Can you give me some advice? And he said, you need to read Habakkuk, which is a book in the Bible that a lot of people haven't heard of, but it, it just talks about trying times and crying out to God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And then uh, God says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So I know that God has not forsaken us. He is going to—it's going to take time, but, you know, our country will heal. And I just hope that 
race relationships are race relations are are healed, and I hope that we can um, trust law enforcement. And you know, you were talking about this morning, Brian, how there our law enforcement is just they're good people. You know, you grew up. How many in your family are law enforcement, Brian? A lot, right? Yeah, I mean, it goes back through time. But listen, they make $41,000 a year to start. It takes them five mm-hmm. years to make of $20,000 more after taxes. You live in Manhattan. How much are they taking home? Like nothing. Plus, they got kids. They got, uh, you know, they have, they have uh, extracurricular activities. They got to pay for rent or, or a mortgage. And they come right. to work and they're being vilified, hit by water bottles that are iced or by mm-hmm. being beat up with fire extinguishers. You mm-hmm. lived in South Carolina where there's a semblance of normalcy. You moved to New York for, the, for many times the idiocy. What are your thoughts about what you're seeing here? Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they're definitely well-respected in the South, and many New Yorkers are, too. This is um, – hold on, baby. I'm Okay, honey. Sorry. Hayden's walking in. Um, you know, down South, it's, I remember growing up, and I remember seeing a news story. I'll never forget it. My dad was – getting something out of his closet, which was in our hallway. And I was standing behind him and he was telling me that someone had killed a police officer. And I remember him saying, he's there, you know, he's going to get the death penalty. It was, you just, baby, I'm on the phone. It was a bigger deal. Can I talk to you in just a second? It was a bigger deal. Right. And now it's just, listen, they're bad apples. They need to root them out. But um, the majority of them are good people. Brian, you're right. They're, they're servants. You know, they, they keep us safe. And you're one of the best people I've ever met, period. And go pick up her book, The Light Within Me, an inspirational memoir uh, at Ainsley Earhart. Uh, Ainsley, it would be a great gift for uh, for Father's Day, I believe. Yes, it would be good for Father's Day or for anyone that's just uh, struggling right now. Thanks so much, Brian. Well, that's a great story. Go get him. Ainsley Earhart, thanks so much. Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Appreciate you listening, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. We got unprecedented times. I mean, you got 1968 with 1929, 1918, all Titanic events in American history all happened at once. So glad you're with us every step of the way. We're trying to get control of our cities. We're trying to handle uh, what could be racial injustice, law enforcement changes, if in fact that needs be for 700,000. This just breaking. Politico has a story that by the tens of thousands, the law enforcement community is breaking with Joe Biden. They have had it with him and his uh, criticism of law enforcement. Listen, nobody, nobody, 96% of the public, I'm sure it's higher, is uh, for what happened in Minneapolis with those four. They deserve what's coming to them. George, uh, uh, George Floyd is not around because of them. And nothing else matters. But to think that the rest of the country is going to be brought to its knees because of this incident and other incidents, it could be addressed in a logical, methodical way. The way they were addressed in Ferguson, the way they were addressed after Baltimore, and things get better. Law enforcement are the ones who go to the academy. Uh, they're the ones who learn the tactics. Those are the ones that could be installed with different tactics at a federal level down to local level, depending on what their community desires. We'll discuss all that, especially with the cops. Two cops shot and one knifed last night. Uh, that is happening in New York. The night before, St. Louis, four shot, including a 77-year-old veteran. 
will bring you around the country. This hour, we're going to be joined by Burgess Owens, running for the congressional, uh, congressional seat on the Republican side in Utah, also outstanding defensive back with the Jets and Raiders. Carl Rove will be joining us, talking about the president. On the Fox News poll, he's trailing in every battleground state. But I got news for you, uh, Trump haters, and there's a lot. He's within striking distance on all of them. And he does not quit. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The whole concept that the campaign was colluding with the Russians, there was no there there in August 2017. Do you agree with that general statement or not? I agree with that general statement. Good. He was the acting AG, Rod Rosenstein. The Russia collusion delusion just got crazier. Rod Rosenstein shouldn't have green-lighted the Mueller probe. He says he knew the answer in 2017 in the summer. He just tortured us through 2018 and cost us $25 million. His statements are mind-bending. Number two. Today, I filed an amended complaint that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second-degree murder. Uh, that is uh, Keith Ellison, the Attorney General. George Floyd, the case against the cops who believed are responsible for his death. Charges are upgraded. More officers implicated. Did the AG make the right move? Why does he say it's going to be a tough thing to prove? Number one. During the day, what you see is coordination, homemade weapons mainly, being stashed around different metropolitan areas. Those are the types of uh, people that we see moving these violent uh, protests and these organizations in a certain way. There you go. Uh, Chad Wolf, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary, city to city. Signs of settling and signs of coordinated violence. Shootings now are part of the riots and now a new push to defund the only people between society and chaos, the police. There's a push around Black Lives Matters to bring up the peace force and to fund the police force. Do you believe this? And guess where Rashida Tlaib is, has got hashtag going to fund the police. And guess who picked up on it? The mayor of Los Angeles. He says, I was going to give you a $7 million increase. I'm not talking about a pay raise either. I'm talking about tools. 10,000 police can't control what's going on in Southern California. Now you're going to take things away from them? The answer is absolutely. It is crazy. Listen to... Uh, the mayor of Los Angeles, Garcetti, uh, talk about what he's going to do with the police force. Cut 22. Those dollars need to be focused on our black community here in Los Angeles, as well as communities of color and women and people who have been left behind for too long. And will this involve cuts? Yes, of course, to every department, including the police department. Well, number one, you have no tax revenue as you keep Los Angeles shut down. Unless, of course, you want thousands to come from the outside and inside to go shoulder to shoulder without masks and protest. Then it's okay. But then yell at us seven days a week for going to the beach, right? Imagine if you sat on the beach. Imagine if you went to a bookstore, the danger of going to a restaurant. But if you want to scream and shout, take on cops, ransack Rodeo Drive, I can't see the danger in that, can you? They're ripping up Main Street America, some of the richest streets in America that finance just about everything else in your state, in your city. Darren Porcher, former NYPD lieutenant, best-selling author, said this about the prospect of defunding cops. Cut 23. 
defunding the police is uh, is an atrocity to say the least because when we look at the horrific encounter that occurred in minneapolis minnesota it clearly earmarks that there needs to be benchmarks in place in terms of policing on a national level so as a result of that it's going to require an immense level of resources that's going to cost money as we look at technological innovations in law enforcement it's driving us to a better place we're now having less police and civilian encounters yeah, but now that's not where Black Lives Matters want to go. And after all, they're really they're, they're pretty much controlling everything these days, correct? I'm not sure what happens to this organization. They used to be out front and organized. Now, I don't know if they are the ones behind. I have no clue who is behind the Antifa-like insurgency that is tearing up the biggest, most lucrative cities in the country. I guess they're saying what's theirs, uh, what, is, what is yours, is theirs. And the only reason that you have it is because you stole it, so you don't deserve it. No problem here. No problem in New York either. They have the bail reform. Isn't that great? Bail reform that basically says, since 2019, there's sweeping changes in the bail law. 90% of all states' arrests, you walk out of jail the same day. Even with vicious crimes and assaults, they make you have you a danger to the community or to loved ones who you've turned on. Judges no longer are given consent to intercede if they see potential problems with letting you out in the public, which is a danger to all of us. And perhaps that's what we're seeing. People saying, I'll go take out Saks, New York. I'll go wipe out the Nike store. I'll be out at the end of the day and I've got brand new stuff that I've socked away. That's what we're witnessing. But it's okay to criticize the cops, especially after last night. I get up at 2.30 in the morning to get ready for our show for Fox and Friends. And I went to bed thinking, well, there's really not that big a deal. Things might be settling down. And then I see Dermot Shea. He is the police commissioner in New York. Cut six. The courageous men and women of this police department that put a gun belt on every day and hit the streets to protect New Yorkers. Tonight, two of those officers were assigned to an anti-looting post. When at approximately a quarter to midnight, without warning, Video surveillance shows a male walk up to the officers casually, take out a knife and stab one of the officers in the neck. That officer was stabbed in the left side of his neck, thank God, missing an artery, and is recovering here in stable condition at the hospital. See the size of the knife? Check it out. It's online on the NewYorkPost.com. That didn't end there. Cut seven. We had a uniformed sergeant and police officer hearing shots fired that were coming from that initial scene, respond quickly to that scene. We believe that when they got there, they saw the perpetrator with a gun in his hand, which we believe belonged to one of the officers. What we know at this point in time is that 22 shell casings have been recovered from a number of members of the service. The perpetrator struck multiple times. He is here and he's in critical condition. We had two police officers shot in the hand, and we had the third police officer that is stabbed in the neck. Okay, so that's what's happening. They're on the front lines with terrible bear laws that put the people that they lock up, 700 to 1,000 already, maybe 10, maybe much more, about 10,000 overall have been locked up. And in New York and places like St. Louis, they let out the same day. Patrick Lynch is the president of the New York PBA. Cut eight. Are we surprised? Are we surprised we're here in the hospital again? 
Did we doubt because of the rhetoric we're hearing, the anti-police rhetoric that's storming our streets? Are we surprised that we got this call? I'm not. We've said it's going to happen. We've said it has to stop, but it really does. All levels have to say it's going to end today and then allow us to go out and do it. We can't ignore the asinine laws that have been passed where we put criminals in and they let them out. That's why things like this happen. It may not be this situation, but it feeds the atmosphere. It has to stop. All levels have to say it and allow us to do it. Okay, Uh, but they're not, not by a long shot. You have uh, celebrities like Lizzo, John Legend, Jane Fonda, uh, Natalie Portman, all coming out to defund the police. Who's going to protect their estates? I'm serious. Hank Newsom of Black Lives Matter's New York chapter, he's chairman. He says he he has plans for arming what he calls peace officers in the Daily News, he writes, Daily Mail he writes about. He says, we're talking about self-defense. We have black special forces officers advising us, and we will teach and train people in the communities. We pattern ourselves to the Black Panthers and the Nation of Islam. We believe that we need an arm uh, to arm and defend ourselves. We will build and train peace forces to keep the peace in our communities, to defend our communities, to keep our communities safe. So, cops aren't doing it. We got to defund them. So, do you believe Black Lives Matters is right? It's up for them to take things in their own hand. A little problem about arming gun, gun owners. They don't have licenses. Not allowed in New York City. I'm sure it might not be allowed in your city either. Uh, we're coming to loggerheads big time. one 408 You want to talk about race relations and law enforcement? I love it. I want to make things better, make, make more progressive. I want that job to be fantastic that everybody wants. But this is not that. When we come back, I want to put that to Burgess Owens. He's a best-selling author and wants to a Super Bowl champion and wants to be the next congressman from the 4th District in Utah and is winning. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. What I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. And in many cases, it brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed, standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart, is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together and that we are all part of the solution. And that is Drew Brees on Yahoo Finance, but has since walked that back because uh, the black community and most of the NFL turned on him because he said he didn't want to take a knee during the national anthem. Burgess Owens, uh, former Super Bowl champion with the Los Los Angeles Raiders, uh, and was a former New York Jet, and now running for the 4th District in Utah. Uh, Burgess, I thought you'd be the perfect person to talk to. Was Drew Brees right when he said he'd never stand, or was he right when he said, I apologize for saying that? And Yeah, thanks, thanks so much uh, uh, for that. I, I, I'll say this, Brian. Um, I, I, I really appreciate the initial stance that uh, the Drew made. Uh, let me just say this to all my, my friends out there uh, who, who believe the way Drew does. 
if you're not going to stay and stand for what you say in the beginning, if you're going to cower to to bullies, just just let it leave, let it let it go. I mean, just let somebody else say it who's going to stand by it and, and stick with it. What I'm so tired of are people that uh, that cower to bullies. We're dealing with a society of bullies. Period. Uh, and and to, to, to say things like all lives matter, all of a sudden you now have to walk it back or or that I'm going to stand for my flag because I, I love my country. I appreciate my, my legacy. Uh, either you believe you don't. If, if it, Just because black racists call you out and, and call you names, it's, it's okay. I mean, let, again, either you have to stand for the fact that we have a country that's, that's, that's worthy of fighting for, of being called names for, or we should just shut up. Vote the right way. Just don't get into battle and let other folks who's going to say what we're going to say and not back, not backtrack. So I'm 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 extremely disappointed. To be honest with you, I, I, mean, I have a lot of respect for Drew as a player, but uh, his his first statement was very passionate, very right. I, I believe exactly the same way. I will never ever kneel because I understand this country for what it is. I have a history of knowing that this is the greatest place in the history of mankind, and that flag represents everything that we that's good about our country. And for those who don't understand that, they need to be educated. And we just stand up against them and tell them they are wrong. Uh, and and, and to, to look at our country as a racist place means they need to be reeducated. We need to make sure we're doing something for these colleges that are teaching our kids to come out as little Marxists. We've got to do something about that. Well, I'll tell you, he went on to say to Drew Brees, I'd like to apologize to my friends, teammates in the city of New Orleans, for the black community, the NFL community, anyone I hurt with my comments. In an attempt to talk about respect, unity, and solidarity centered around the American flag, I made comments that were insensitive and completely missed the mark on issues that we are facing right now in our country. So among the people that was brought to tears because he was so disappointed and angry and cursing was his wide receiver, Malcolm Jenkins, former Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, he says there's inequities in this country. And Burgess Owens, for people who don't know, you're African-American. You grew up in a much more difficult time in the 60s and 70s when you were starring in the NFL. Um, and you don't, uh, you don't see, uh, you see more of uh, Drew Brees' original stance than Malcolm Jenkins' stance now? Uh, well, uh, Ma- Malcolm, along with the, all the other guys, Kaepernick, they're Marxists. Uh, and and let, let me just kind of explain what, what, what I mean by that. Uh, I grew up in the 40s. I grew up in, 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 the, in the 60s at a time when the black community led our country in the growth of middle class, men matriculated from college. The percentage, uh, percentage of entrepreneurs was somewhere between 50 to 60 percent. The percentage of, of, of uh, business ownership, 40 percent. We had a country, we had a community across our country that was middle class, period. We lost it because of the black elitists, people like the folks today who do not understand our country, that put our country down, the, 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 uh, the NAACP, the black talkers who, who lived the American dream. These guys are now talking about uh, injustice of making $50 million a year because they went out there and worked hard. And instead of telling people how to work hard, how to be respectful, we coach, how to, how to stick yourself in particular ways that you can succeed, instead of doing that, they tell people coming behind them, looking up to them, that you can't make it because you're not like who, uh, who I am. This country has been based on four tenets that makes any, anybody in this country work, I mean, uh, succeed if they want to. And that's education, faith industry and family period no matter who you are if you do that you can you can you can live the american dream what the leftists have done the democrats have done they go into these communities and they've deleted our, our young people of understanding about education they don't get a chance to have any any any, any opportunity to, to 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 have faith in, their, in, in, in anything at all other than themselves uh they don't work and the family unit's been turned upside down so let me, let me just say this for, for those who are listening uh we the black community can be a warning beacon in terms of what Marxists and socialists do. Look at our example and don't go the direction we, get, we went in. Go in the direction we're going gotcha. in now. 
so many that are turning away and going back to doing the right things. Burgess, uh, you're running now for the 4th District. Uh, you have 38% of the vote in the Republican primary. You're leading. Uh, if people want to help you out with your campaign, where do they go? Burgess for Utah. And this is a district that is a key point to getting our country back, between one and three. So Burgess for Utah, please join the fight. This is a, a national narrative. We win this when we get the House back and we get a chance to support our president and, 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 a, and, a, more, and much more as a stronger backbone Senate. To get that done with guys next four years can be a remarkable experience for all of Americans. We really could be. Well, Utah would be better off with you serving for them uh, and in Washington for them. Burgess Owens, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it, my friend. All the best. You, you got it. Uh, we come back. Carl Rove is going to be with us. I'm going to finish up with calls. 1-866-408-7669. And on a side note, if you're looking for a Father's Day present, go to BrianKillMe.com. You get Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, now out on paperback. Bendable, cheaper, with more information, more stuff. is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. In three separate polls, he's beating you by about 10 points. Okay, and explain- I have other polls where I'm winning, and you've seen them too, I guess. But I have polls. Uh, just like last time, I was losing to Hillary in every state, and I won every state, okay? I won Michigan. I won Wisconsin. I won places that they didn't even think were pollable. They didn't even want to go bother. We have tremendous support. Uh, I've seen many polls. CNN, didn't CNN just have a poll, which they didn't want to use, where I was winning every single swing state? I think you've seen that. And that was two weeks ago, but now the Fox News did a poll, uh, and they have the president trailing in Arizona, dead heat in Texas, trailing in Wisconsin, trailing in Ohio. So uh, joining us now, Carl Rove, and that was a little of my interview yesterday with the President of the United States. Carl, welcome back. Should the President be concerned? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, if you're not, if you're, if you're the incumbent President of the United States and you're not concerned about your reelection, you're putting yourself in trouble. So yes, he should be concerned. Uh, even if we were ahead today, he should be concerned because Running in the modern era for re-election as president is not the same as running for re-election, you know, in the in the 1920s or the, you know, the 1950s. It's just, uh, you know, we have a different political environment. We're highly polarized. My gut is that the president is five or six points behind. Uh, that's sort of where the real clear politics average is. Uh, we saw the difference between all voters and likely voters. In the, I think it was the Washington Post ABC poll, it was like 10 points among all voters. It was four or five among likely voters. And I think that's sort of where the contest is today. Three, you know, maybe three on a good day, four, five, six on a bad day, but it's, it's sort of in that range. The president was right about one thing when he pointed out the CNN poll, which I thought was a very interesting poll. He's not leading in all uh, battleground states, but they picked 15 battleground states seven of which he won in 2016, and eight of which he lost. The If you add up all the votes that he got, all the votes that Hillary got, and all the votes that third-party candidates got, 
He won those, and for all 15 states aggregated, he won the popular vote in uh, above Hillary in those states by 1%. And in the CNN poll, which they did, you know, they, did, they, they broke it out but didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, he was ahead by four. So there may be a difference between how you do it in New York and California compared to four years ago that's bigger uh, for the Democrats than in the battleground states. So I have, uh, as uh, Dan Hoffman pointed out to me Monday, I uh, said, so Brian, we got the 1918 pandemic, we have the 1929 depression, and we have the 1968 civil unrest all wrapped into one at this time. Let's break down the yeah. civil unrest right now. You say go inside the numbers. Uh, don't just say protesting, not protesting. Most people are for the peaceful protests. Most people are not for the d- destruction of our cities. Right. Uh, you know, I, this is my column today in the Wall Street Journal, and I was I was taken by some of these polls, and I, I used two of them, but they're more than two. Reuters, Ipsos came out Tuesday. They were in the field Monday and Tuesday. Seventy-three percent support, quote, the peaceful protests and demonstrations that have taken place, while 79 percent believe looting and vandalism, quote, undermine the original protest case for justice. Think about that. Three, nearly three out of four say we support the peaceful demonstration. More than three out of four, approaching four out of five, say those the violence undermines those protests. Similarly, in the Monmouth poll, 78 percent said that they felt the anger that led to those protests was either fully or partially justified. It was 57 percent said fully, 21 percent said uh, somewhat justified, partially justified. On the other hand, only 17 percent felt that the burning of a police station was justified. Now, if they'd said, I suspect, if they'd said rather than burning of a police station, if they'd said in the looting and vandalism of stores and the burning of churches, I bet that 17% number would be even much smaller, you know, below 10%. But the vast majority of Americans are fully capable of saying something bad happened in Minneapolis that is a stain on our country and shocks our conscience when a policeman murders uh, George Floyd. And they're capable of saying, you have a right to demonstrate, and I support that right to demonstrate, but don't let the violent minority discredit what you're attempting to say. And, and we do know that there is a violent minority in many of these instances, and, we, and as a society and as a movement, the protest leaders, I think, have an affirmative response to, to, to decry the violence that's being perpetrated on the edges of their rallies and, and, and marches. George Bush uh, wrote an eloquent letter talking about the state of our society, how it's not equal uh, for blacks and whites, and we have to change that. Is That's a message. You can't say the president's responsible for that problem. That problem's been around before he got here. It'll be around after he got here. Is there something he could be focusing on in the next six months that shows he cares? Well, first of all, I thought he the, the president has to be given his due. His 10 minutes of remarks on Saturday afternoon were pitch perfect. He spent he spent ten minutes, but all just over five minutes devoted to talking about about uh, George Floyd, and just under five minutes talking about uh, the rioting and the looting. And I thought it was pitch perfect. I'd like to see him do more of that. I wish he were, were had 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 the speech revised, rewritten, the thesaurus pulled out, new words put in, and said the, virtually the same thing in an Oval Office address on Monday or Tuesday of this week. But yes, there are things the president can do. He's doing some of them. He, directed the Department of Justice to open a civil rights investigation, the attorney general saying that's being expedited. But he ought to look for, are there things that we can do legislatively that will help on this? But remember, most of this is about 
leading by example. It's, you know, the president has an instinctive reaction about people who are, you know, who, who are rejected by the, the you know, sort of the elites. I mean, he has a fundamental, you know, affinity for the underdog, and he ought to let that show through. This is less, however, about, you know, passing a bill that outlaws chokeholds or setting up a national, you know, standard. It is more about saying we've got to do something about our society in which people suffer disproportionately at the hands of our police simply because of the color of their skin, whether they're black or brown, they suffer disproportionately at the at the hands of law enforcement. And let's be clear, it's not all law enforcement. It's a very small group of bad actors. And, and to me, what's the amazing thing is Minneapolis is one of the most liberal cities in America, and it's been led by very liberal mayors for decades. And it happened in this city with an African-American police chief. So what is wrong? What, what happened that, that allowed this guy, who apparently had a number of infractions on his record, to continue to you know, serve and protect the people of Minneapolis with a bad record? Why, why did that happen in a liberal town where you think they'd be sensitive about this? Uh, good point. And the president said to me yesterday, he's like, most of this problems with the slowness in opening up the economy in their states and some of this unrest since, uh, since the Minneapolis uh, death of George Floyd has happened in liberal areas. And these, these governors are reluctant to get any help and use the National Guard, including in New York, where he's, a, he's scared to death of using the National Guard and very uh, this mayor and a governor that just wants to just blame the mayor. Why, are they, yeah. why did they get a pass on this terrible leadership? Well, at the end of the day, they're not going to get a pass from the people that matter most to them, namely the voters of their city and state. This is why I think that at the end of the day, we're going to, we're going to see an end to this violence more, uh, more rapidly than we might have thought, because mayors and governors recognize that they cannot allow their cities and their states to be torn apart by this kind of violence. Look, the mayor of Washington, D.C. is a pretty liberal person, but she has nonetheless taken some tough stands because she recognizes the businesses that are being torn down and that are going to be hard to rebuild are businesses that are owned by, by voters in her city, by people in her city who represent the diversity that's Washington, D.C. So she's going, to, she's going to be receptive to let's make certain through smart policing and, and if need be the application of the D.C. National Guard to, to, to calming the situation and protecting lives and property. And I think that's going to be everywhere. And if you don't do it, like de Blasio, my God, I know he can't run for mayor again, but this guy is going to have a really terrible final months of his, of his time in office because the people of the city of New York are not going to stand by for what they've seen play out on their screens the last several, several nights. Uh, Carl, should the president move out of North Carolina with the convention? Well, I, I, you know, yes. I mean, you, the president wants to have a convention, and the governor of the state says, I don't care if it's you know, nearly two months off. I'm not going to let you have a full-throated convention, so you're going to have to do your convention according to my rules, not according to what you want to do. And so the president's got some alternatives in Georgia and Florida and Tennessee, and he's got every right to move it there to have a convention that he wants to have, it's going to be difficult. You know, these conventions are big things, and uh, it's not going to be easy to do it, uh, to move it. But uh, I, my sense is that the governor of, of North Carolina is playing politics, and he shouldn't be playing politics. Carl, with all your experience, I have to say that this probably even has you challenged if you're the president of the United States. You're running on the economy and strong defense, and now 
uh, and trade deals. And now the China deal has fallen apart. The president said that to me yesterday. It's dead. Uh, they stopped the airline fights between the two nations, and the economy's now gone in the tank, even though it's not, in, even though it's not his fault. Uh, having said that, what do you run on? Well, look, I, I do think you run on, I'm the guy who's better able to, to bring about economic recovery. You saw that, that I supercharged the economy in uh, 17, 18, and 19. Then long came the coronavirus in 2020. So I don't think people are going to hold him responsible for the current economic conditions. They're going to judge him by whether or not they think that he's doing enough to get our economy back on, 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 the, uh, on, on, on the, the path that we were on before. And, and the good news for him, if you look inside these polls, even if the numbers show that, that Biden is ahead, they show Trump has an advantage on who's better able to handle the economy. So I would say, to, I go to the American people and say, look, you got a choice. Our, but through no fault of you, and uh, our economy was put into the toilet by the coronavirus and the steps that we needed to, to take to stop this invisible enemy. The question is, who's going to be better at getting the economy back on its feet and roaring and going like it was doing in the first three years of my of my term in office. You think it's Joe Biden with his tax and spend socialist ideas, Green New Deal? You think that's going to be better for Pennsylvania? You think that's going to be better for Michigan? You know, to get rid of automobiles, gas, gas-powered automobiles in 10 years? You think that's a great idea? More taxes, more spending? No, no, no. You need what I got, which is America independent, energy independent, deregulation, tax cuts, Moving ahead by encouraging entrepreneurship and, and free markets, I'm going right. to do that, and and, and I'm going to be better at at, at getting you, get this economy on its feet than is than is sleepy Joe Biden. And I think that's a winning argument. If if the economists are right that we're going to come roaring back and start roaring back in the third quarter, then people will say, you know what, it was, it was really bad, but it's getting better, and it's getting better because he's in charge. And the other thing is, uh, he said yesterday, Joe Biden. The more I think about it, we're going to set up a FDR type takeover, have government take over most of these businesses to stand up the economy again. Really? Fantastic. We want the post office and we want motor vehicle. That's what we want our country to be. Right. Uh, that's something well, to run against. And now I go ahead. Yeah, well, FDR didn't nationalize industries. That's baloney. In fact, he tried to regulate industries. And what, what economists on the left and right will say is that the American economy was remained mired in recession in depression through most of the 30s, suffered a second setback late in the 30s, and only came out because of World War II. So, you know, there's not, he, first of all, the, the FDR didn't do it, what this guy wants to do. And second of all, we know that if government interferes too much in the economy, it tends to retard economic growth, not encourage it. Lastly, uh, front story on political right now, police groups are breaking with Joe Biden about his criticism of the police at a time in which People are actually trying to do to fund them. That could be damaging because you figure 700,000 to a million police officers. How many are retired? How many have them in their family? And if they look at him as against the police, that's damaging in almost every state. Yeah, it is. It's very problematic because the law enforcement, despite our concerns about bad actors, law enforcement tends to have uh, relatively high levels of trust. But but my point about the current circumstances, the, the next couple of weeks is whichever of these men is dealing with this issue outside of politics and hitting both notes, we as a society need to do something about what brought about the death of George Floyd, and we need to protect the stability and safety and property and lives 
in our cities from from mindless violence. The person who does that without pointing an accusatory figure, finger at the other person is going to be better off. I thought it was a big mistake for Biden to give his speech in Philadelphia and spend so much of his speech with over-the-top attacks on, on President Trump, which fed the Democratic base. But this election is going to be decided by a group of people in the middle who are looking at both of these men and saying, who do I want to be president for the next four years? And somebody who is offering partisan bitterness in the midst of this national calamity is not the person who's going to be able to do it. The president could be angry, uh, as he should be, at violence, but he shouldn't do what Joe Biden did, and that is turn his presidential remarks into a partisan attack by name of his opponent. That was a big mistake for Biden, and I think it's one of the reasons why the Tuesday address is, is is being, I think, significantly panned. And the other thing is, Carl, he talked about bringing, I'll bring you together while tearing him apart. Really? Yeah. You should be yeah. talking, if you're going to bring together, talk about unity. Don't even bring up your opponent. But what exactly do I know? Right. Uh, well, you know man, a lot. If you say I'm right, then I know a lot. Thank you, Carl. Uh, he's the great Carl Rowe. Appreciate it, Carl. Have a great weekend. Thank you, sir. You- and read his uh, Wall Street Journal column. Back in a moment with your calls. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Everyone is entitled to his opinion, including Secretary Mattis, but he's wrong on this one. Let's remember that it's the Democratic Party and too many people in the media for three and a half years that have tried to delegitimize the Trump presidency, tried to imply that he wasn't legitimately elected, tried to upset the peaceful transition of power when the Obama administration was using the machinery of government to uh, upend the peaceful transition of power, and then continued for months and months and really even years the Mueller investigation to try to divide this country. Yeah, we're streaming on Fox Nation, by the way. That is Tom Cotton a short time ago with Sandra Smith on Fox News Channel talking about how General Mattis, according to Tom Cotton, an infantry guy, Ivy League grad, is just wrong on this. The president, a divisive character. Well, he's not perfect. We know it. Uh, But he is not wrong in thinking that insurrection is an issue uh, that he has to consider because there's chaos in 50 cities in 68 and in 92. Presidents brought it up without a former secretary of defense turning on him. No one doubts that Secretary, uh, excuse me, General Mattis is a great warrior, great leader of men, uh, probably, uh, probably somebody that would have been a great secretary of defense had he finished out his term. But he did not agree with the president on a lot, but he didn't agree with the previous president on a lot either. And was critical of Bush 43 about his Iraq policy. Let's go to Gino listening in St. Louis on 97.1. Gino. Hello, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. Two things. First of all, I wonder why there is more outrage and protest uh, concerning the uh, 77-year-old retired St. Louis police African-American captain that was murdered a couple of nights ago in St. Louis protecting a pawn shop. I think that's outrageous. And I also wanted to point out, number two, that everyone that was arrested that night and the police made a uh, didn't you know tried not to arrest a lot of people so only the worst of the worst were arrested that night the st louis prosecuting attorney let all of those people go without every one of them yeah they have to it's unbelievable that guy's got to go and i'll tell you what we have to change the bail laws in new york as well Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Order Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers on paperback. Make sure you'll find out where I'll be. 
Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.